0: Welcome back to part two of our interview with Dr. Neil Nathan. Can we touch briefly on Bartonella infections? I know that's probably something we could talk about for a long time, but um, are you seeing a lot of Bartonella in some of your patients
1: as well? Oh, loads. Um, Bartonella, I think, and I know that Dr. Horowitz agrees with me, I think is the nastiest of the infection. As nasty as Lyme is, and it is, I think Bartonella is a little bit harder to treat and a little bit more entrenched. And it's the last of the big three to be discovered so that some Lyme doctors haven't quite gotten around to embracing it the way we have Lyme itself and then Babesia. So um, the history of this is that first we learned about Lyme. Then we realized that a lot of people who had Lyme had Babesia, which is not a bacteria, uh, but a protozoa. We then realized that some people also had fill in the blank, Bartonella or Lycia and and whatever other tick-borne vector illnesses you want to throw in there. But because Bartonella was discovered last of the three, it doesn't it hasn't quite reached consciousness, kind of in the same way that mold hasn't, because it was discovered even after Bartonella was discovered. So depending on a physician's background, it's like, oh, I'm really comfortable treating uh, Lyme. Now I got comfortable treating with with Babesia, less so with Bartonella, and even less so with mold. It's that progression. But the bottom line is that Bartonella is very common, more common than Babesia. But when we do studies of tick populations and analyze what's in that tick, um, we find that 40% of ticks carry in different parts of the country. In my part of the country, 40% carry uh, Lyme and 40% carry Bartonella, 10% carry Babesia, 8% carry Ehrlichia. So we're talking about a bacteria that is quite common. It does carry... Some symptoms that distinguish it from Lyme per se: um, pain on the bottom of the feet in the plantar fascia area is unique. A vibrational perception of internal vibration or tremor, mm-hmm. which which people can feel on the inside, but it can't be seen on the outside. From my experience, is either Bartonella or mold. Okay, Bartonella. More than Lyme, by far, predisposes to intense anxiety or depression, almost the feeling of hopelessness. Bartonella carries with it a very intense perception. So sometimes you can make the diagnosis of Bartonella just from a patient's description of it. Uh, An example is, sometimes patients will say, using their hand gestures, um, I can feel it crawling around in my scalp and moving this way and going that way. And it's this burning, itching. It, it, it isn't the description. It's the intensity of the description uh, that, that labels it as Bartonella. That's right. really quite pathognomonic for Bartonella.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm just wondering, so what can patients do to deal with the overwhelm as they move through illness, diagnosis, treatment, and recovery? Because, You know, there's just so much to be learning and to be considering. And, you know, sometimes you're also dealing with the challenge of finding the right healthcare provider as well.
1: Right. Particularly hard in Canada where there are not a lot of physicians who are doing this kind of work. That's right. And I I appreciate that. Sorry, guys, you may have to come down to the States (laughs) if you want to get treated. Mm -hmm. That's not not saying that we have it nailed, but um, there are more of us um, doing this, this kind of work.
0: Right, and collaborating together, too.
1: So, so the number one thing for a patient to understand is this is treatable. Mm-hmm. That's so a great message. If you, if you can be patient, getting mold out of the body requires at least a year or more most of the time. Getting Lyme or co-infections out of the body at least a year or mo- most of the time. This is not a short trip. So you have to be in for the long haul and you have to have your expectations reasonable. You have to be patient with your doc and you have to be patient with yourself
0: mm-hmm. and
1: your family. So the, the quality in people that enable them to do this journey is perseverance. Um, some type of discipline, just stick-to-itiveness and understand I'm just gonna come at this one step at a time in in the most logical way, if I have um, sensitivities or emotional issues or um, mast cell type symptoms, I'll treat that first. Once that's treated, then I can treat either mold or lime, whichever one is present, in whatever order we want to do it. And I'm just going to come at it slowly and steadily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, not if you rush into it, okay. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and load me up with antibiotics and hit hit it hard. You're asking for trouble. It's a very, very bad way to do this. Bodies do not like being slammed and they will let you know that. Uh So coming at it gently, slowly, with respect, honoring the body, honoring the body's need, to take the time it needs to go where it needs to go, that's where we're going with this. So if there's one quality that enables us to distinguish those folks who get well from those who don't, um, the ones who stick to it will almost always get well. The ones who get frustrated and give up and go, oh, I've been doing this for three years and I'm not as good as I need to be. I'm sorry that it takes that long. If we knew how to do it better and faster, we would.
0: And maybe we'll get there one day. I know for myself, I was using a chronic uh, pain app, and I was tracking my progress. And eventually over time, I could see that my symptoms were diminishing in intensity, and it was nice to have that uh, tracking for myself to, to see that it was changing.
1: Now, it may be expensive, but if you can find... Um, a healthcare provider who has experience, they can help you and support you while you do this. Um, in my practice, I found that a lot of my visits with patients were basically pep talks, which is, we've got you on a good program. You are making progress. I know it's slower than you want it to be, but hang in there. Keep going. Keep You remember how sick you were when we started right and and, and know how you're not that sick anymore Mm -hmm. so hang in there and those pep talks were essential for a lot of people and and helping them to get well and it's really helpful if you if you have a supportive series of friends and family if your family doesn't understand it and that's very very common um beg them, plead them to read more about it so that they can understand what you're going through.
0: Now, I know you are a prolific author. Can you tell us about your recent book, Energetic Diagnosis?
1: Okay. Uh, I can. Actually, your audience would probably be more interested in my earlier books. Okay. But, so the book that you'd probably get the most from is called Toxic Heal your body from um, mold toxicity, Lyme disease, um, multiple chemical sensitivities, and other environmental illnesses. Um, That is a very comprehensive overview of all of this that I think would help a lot of people to understand the bigger picture. There's a short version for mold that's an e-book just called Mold and Mycotoxins, which I updated this year. So it's called Mold and mycotoxins: Current evaluation and treatment, two thousand twenty-two. Great. Uh, so it's a forty-page ebook. It's easier to read for families or patients. It's a it's a starting point where you can go. Oh, okay. Now I understand uh, more about what Neil is babbling about.
0: Um, <laughs> That's great. We'll post the link in our show notes as well.
1: Okay. And so energetic energetic diagnosis is a very different book. It's about using personal and devices of energy to make diagnosis and inform treatment. In other words, it's a plea for physicians to take intuition seriously so that they can use it in a more profound way to make diagnoses. It is my belief that doctors do it already, but Mm -hmm. no one's one's willing to talk about it. (laughs) And so basically I wanted to start the dialogue. That's great. and, And then I have a whole section in the book on a variety of energetic approaches, medical devices that do measure energies that do allow us to potentially make a diagnosis and then follow up that diagnosis by seeing how the energies are improving. So it's a very different book. And, my, my new book, which is just about finished, um, is called uh, Why Am I So Sensitive and What to Do About It? And it's a book that focuses on the type of sensitivity that a lot of patients with mold and Lyme develop as they go through their illness. We're talking um, sensitivities to stimuli, like light, sound, chemicals, EMF, food, And it talks about a lot of those patients have been disregarded and dismissed by the medical profession. They've been told, you're the only one who can smell that. It must be, you're the problem. Well, the process of sensitizations makes those folks indeed have a much better sense of smell than other people. So that they can smell mold where no one else can. They can indeed be affected by scents that no one else is detecting. It's very real. And a part of it is that many of those folks have not gotten the care from medical practitioners that they need. And the book is to explain to both them and to practitioners the physiology of it, which we now understand, and how to treat it. And I've got a fabulous group of authors writing it with me. I mean, I wrote maybe a third of the book. And then I had... On the limbic system part, I had Annie Hopper and Asha Gupta write a chapter. I had Stephen Porges write a chapter on, on the vagal system. Wow. Um, okay. I have um, experts. Um, I have Rich Harwood's writing about Lyme. I have um, uh, just experts writing about all of the different treatments where we talk about uh, the use of ketamine. We talk about LDI. We talk about uh, thiamine specifically. And all those, we talk about oxalates and salicylates as sensitizing agents. So it is, my hope was to put together a really comprehensive book written by the people who are the most expert on the pioneering cusp right now. And we got that. So um, this should be a very important book and uh, it's just going to the editor now.
0: Oh, wow. To get it. That's so exciting. I hope, I,
1: hope, I hope and my hope is that it'll be out by late winter. Um, and and it, it should be really helpful for uh, there are millions of people suffering with sensitivities now. Mm-hmm. And I, my hope is that many of them will then understand, OK, this is not in my head. This is the physiology of it. This is how I got it. And this is how I can get well from it. So I'm kind of excited about that.
0: Oh, I'm excited to read it as well. And as we wrap up our conversation, is there any emerging research that you're excited about?
1: Um, The one that I think is the most exciting is the work that Rich Horowitz has been doing with his double dapsone protocol. Um, um, Rich has found in the last year, and he's published two papers on it. Um, His protocol is available through his website. You can Google his name and get his double dapsone protocol if you want to know more about it. But he has found that the use of dapsone in specific doses along with methylene blue and sometimes a little bit of disulfiram in addition to the antibiotics that we typically use for Lyme and bacteria and babesia get at the persister cells that we know exists for both Lyme and Bartonella. And so Rich is getting, and I've followed his protocol for a number of years, we're able to help and treat people we have not been able to treat in the past. So that is the biggest new development that I'm aware of.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well, Neil, I really appreciate your time today. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And I'm just really grateful that you took the time to speak to us and our audience today. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you for having me.
0: We learned so much about the dysfunction of the limbic and vagal systems, mast cell activation, mold, and cell danger response. And the great news is that with perseverance and the right treatments, recovery is possible. That's a wrap on another great interview. Stay safe in the outdoors.